Welcome to Create Photography, this is Daniel. In today's episode, I will have a conversation with Anastasia Samalova. Anastasia, or I'll call her Anna, is an American artist originally from Russia who moves between observational photography and studio practice. Her work explores environmentalism, consumerism, and the picturesque. She had many recent exhibitions, including at the Eastman Museum, the Chrysler Museum of Art, the Photographer's Gallery in London, the Kunsthaus in Wien, and many others. She's also been shortlisted for the Deutsche Börse Photography Foundation Prize in 2022. Her work is in the collections at the Paris Art Museum in Miami, the High Museum of Art in Atlanta, and the Museum of Contemporary Photography in Chicago. She has also published monographs, including Flood Zone and Florida's. Anna, welcome to Create Photography. I look very much forward to speaking with you today. Likewise, thank you for having me. I wanted to start with the beginning, so to say. So you are originally from Russia, is my understanding. So can you tell me a little bit more about, you know, your upbringing, where you grew up, where you were born, um, where you went to school? Yeah, uh, I was born in the south of Russia. Um, and then I grew up in Moscow, um, mm -hmm. starting from age five. Um, so half of my adult life, I suppose, has been spent in Moscow. Um, but I was born, it was almost on the border with Georgia, uh, mm -hmm. very much okay. in the south mm -hmm. to where, you know, I was closer to Turkey and yeah, yeah. Azerbaijan and Syria than I was to Moscow. Yeah. Uh, and then at the age of was 23, I think I moved to the United States. And when you were been... okay, mm -hmm. yeah. So, so did you? So then, so then you went to school. I, I mean, high school and and just the regular schools. Uh, you went to Mo in Moscow, correct? Is yep, that... I studied in okay. Moscow, and I got okay. my first college degree in Moscow, um, which was in environmental art design. It was called. Mm. Um, it was a mix between fine art and architecture, and there was okay. five and a half year degree. Um, and then I applied for an MFA program because we didn't have those back in Russia. And I also didn't see um, much application for my degree in environmental design, um, mm. even in Moscow. Um, mm -hmm. And so I applied for an MFA program um, in photography and interdisciplinary art um, in the American Midwest. Um, and I got in. So I moved to Illinois first. And it was between Chicago and St. Louis mm. in 2008. And then um, moved around a little bit, ending up in Miami, where I am now. Where you still are. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it, it's got to be a little warmer than, than here in Minneapolis, St. Paul. <laughs> Oh, is that where you are? Yeah, that's that's where I am. Um, oh, it's I see. it's yeah yeah. 
it's it's fairly fairly cold today. I think it's like uh, nine degrees right now. <laughs> oh dear! I don't in Fahrenheit. In Fahrenheit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't so, miss it. You know, yeah. heat can be brutal in the summer, but I, I don't miss the cold at but, all. <laughs> but you're, I'm sure you're well used to it from from Russia, from Mos- Moscow. I guess I guess gets pretty cold in the winter, right? It Is does, that, and it was yep. always I was always miserable. I never, oh. felt, <laughs> I never felt like I'm just genetically even predisposed to deal predisposed with it. Predisposed to be, yeah. <laughs> and I'm a firm believer, and I don't. I, my skin. Yeah rarely ever gets sunburn uh and i was born in the south and there's not too much family history that has been reported because there were some kind of traumatic cutoffs yeah, uh, yeah. throughout the family history so i'm not uh, certain where my genes even come yeah. from i just tested yeah. recently and i'm like four percent mongolian so who knows yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh that's interesting well but yeah so, so but you're you're in a good place from that standpoint now in miami so that um yeah you won't, you i'm content to, yeah <laughs> you won't have to suffer through the uh the, the cold and that we, knows, we do it might not be the last but yeah <laughs> for now so well, you preempted my next question already, or, or mm-hmm. you kind of already mentioned why you came to the U.S. That was actually my, my next question. So, but the, mm-hmm. if I may ask, so MFA, what does that stand for? The MFA? It stands program? for Master of Fine Arts. Um, oh, okay. Which is okay. Mm-hmm, a terminal, terminal degree in fine arts. Um, I think they're starting some doctorate programs in fine arts practice. Mm. Uh, but for a while, this was the degree in fine arts as a, as a practicing artist and then so you you said was that university of illinois or which university yeah was it was it? a yeah, private okay. university in peoria illinois called Bradley oh, okay. university mm-hmm. oh okay oh cool and so how did you how did your journey start in photography obviously you have a strong art background and with and a strong art education um yeah how did you how did your journey start in photography um you know, um, I still don't see myself as strictly a photographer. I was okay. <laughs> I always knew I wanted to do visual things, and to me, visual things are language too. It's a means of communication. So it it was never for sheer aesthetics of it. You know, mm-hmm. um, it was conceptually driven always. But it's really as early as I remember myself, I was this uh, reflective child. Mm-hmm. And I'm the only child, so there was a lot of yeah. time for myself. <laughs> and a lot of time spent in solitude. Um, and I was always this very keen observer of life um, with all its details. Um, and then I was in art school again since childhood years. Uh, so it was a, a very organic um thing for me to choose the arts i just mm-hmm. also wanted uh, for this um uh, endeavor to pay off in terms of mm-hmm. my career um, yep. i coming from a very middle class background my mother was a teacher my dad was a driver um just pursuing art as a hobby was out of the question so it had to mm-hmm. be some applicable degree I pursued environmental um, eco, so it was called eco art design, architecture, uh, and I was making um, prototypes of various spaces. Uh, 
and then I had to record them for my critiques. I enjoyed very much painting as well, drawing not so much, <laughs> and sculpture <laughs> and three dimensional design. Um, so it began really early on. Like I, I just always knew this is what I wanted to do, um, mm-hmm. and the approaches could vary. It was about expressing my thoughts uh, through visual language. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter the medium. Mm-hmm. Um, and so by photographing those initial spatial constructions, I um, concluded at the time that I preferred the images of them than mm-hmm. the actual constructs. Mm-hmm. Um, and photography was doing something so fascinating uh, with scale, um, perspective, um, that I, I think I just got carried away and wanted to see how far that could take me. Uh, and put together a portfolio um, that earned me uh, full assistantship at that university. Mm. So, again, coming and paying full cost for my degree was out of the question for me. Uh, and they admitted me uh, as a subsidized uh, graduate student. So I was actually mm-hmm. teaching digital photography for the mm. university. Mm-hmm. And that's the long uh, journey of arrival to photography, yeah. but I hasn't I haven't started it. I, I did some um, commercial photo shoots mm. in my teens back in Russia. Um, you know, I would just say yes to anything I was asked to do mm-hmm. um, photographically for uh, payment, uh, mm-hmm. including events and food photography and jewelry, without having any skills. <laughs> and just kind of researching as I went yep. along. And yep. that is, I mean, this is the one, if I can pinpoint one single thing that got me through, it's that. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah. you, we obviously learned, so, so you, so you did get paid for it and, mm-hmm. and you did learn how to do mm-hmm. it. So, so you kind of started in a way self-taught, right? Is yeah. That fair statement? Exactly. Okay. okay. Yeah. I was self-taught yeah. and then conceptual photography really wasn't on my horizon. I was curious and I was self-taught. I picked up some books. So I looked at, um, you know, anywhere from like Avedon to Ansel Adams. Yeah. Um, and of course we had Rochenko. It, it wasn't very well covered. I mainly grew up with mm-hmm. painting. So painting mm-hmm. was my primary medium and I'm, I'm still uh, actually practicing painting and collage. Mm-hmm. And um, did, was photography part of, any of your curriculum during your during your various um, uh, university degrees? Um, yeah, was absolutely. It? Okay. Yeah, the, okay. In, in so Moscow, they, they did we cover it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. covered. Uh, I don't think it was covered well. Um, the first semester in Moscow was sort of uh, we rushed. Um, this was like a very surface um, knowledge of photography, mm-hmm. and it was quite boring the delivery of that, uh, which was important because. When I got my assistantship, it came with um, the requirement to teach um, undergraduate students. And I knew, really in most of my life, I knew things that I didn't want before. I knew mm-hmm. things that I wanted. You did it by exclusion. Exactly. Where I reflected on my experience as a student. Yeah. And I knew what I, how I did not want to teach. Um, um, where it became some kind of rigid, boring, antiquated... Um, subject of the past and and not something you can make your own so photography did not entice me much apart from its commercial um appeal back in Mm -hmm. russia um 
And I was one of the early users of image sharing websites. Mm. And oddly, this is where I got my initial um, real feedback on the on the photographs. So the the portfolio that I applied with for my graduate school was essentially my Flickr pictures. Oh, Flickr. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was way <laughs> oh, before Instagram. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So, but you—it sounds like you're, you know, you're you're kind of viewing the. I mean, you really view it as a tool, right? Like a like a paintbrush. It's just a tool for you in a way. Absolutely. Right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. And the tool has to be justified by you know the subject and how you're trying to express it. Um, and mm-hmm. photography made sense for me. It made the most sense for me, even though oh, for about a decade prior to my observational photography, I was um, practicing sort of studio-based, constructed, kind of fairly contrived type of images um, mm-hmm. in my project called Landscape Sublime. Before that, my thesis show was addressing uh, industrial agriculture, but through, again, highly stylized uh, views of that interpreted propaganda posters from the industrial agriculture mm sort of boom um yeah it was always highly analytical mm-hmm. um but also playful <laughs> mm. Mm. yeah so two together that's cool so i'd like to explore and discuss some of your projects with you and, mm-hmm. and i'd like to start with the flood zone mm-hmm. um so so you are exploring environmentalism and it sounds and obviously now i understand you you also have that background which mm-hmm. which makes a lot of sense um and um i, I believe it, so you're you're exploring the environmental impacts of floods and perhaps also climate change mm-hmm. um can you can you maybe tell me a little bit more how you got interested i mean besides from your you know having that that, that background in it uh, or, or or education in it uh, how you got interested in exploring environmental issues in your art? Yeah, and that again stems all the way from studying it uh, and the most practical applications, like how do you build better with more sustainable materials? That was my my thesis um, Mm. project back in Moscow was a Mm. reconstruction of this historic abandoned streetcar depot from the 19th century with materials found on site largely mm. and then uh, repurposing it into a youth cultural center you know mm. from what it used to be um, again using those sourced materials so mm. how do you uh, arrive at something that's m- minimizing your carbon footprint and uh, extraction of resources uh on to um looking at well, when I was living in the Midwest, um, looking at industrial agriculture um, that is, that comprises a significant uh, portion of economy in that region. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, looking at sort of the some of the um, visualization uh, around that issue, uh, it wasn't. I, I did a documentary film on industrial agriculture and the loss of family farm and diversified farms mm. in the area when I went around and actually interviewed people. Um, but then I also did another project that analyzed um, how this is sort of a, a society got convinced in 
the acceptability of uh, industrial agriculture and the uh, sort of exploitation of uh, resources hmm. that such scale of agriculture requires. Um, and then moving on from that, you know, so that's what, 10 years? Uh, mm-hmm. Moving on from that in Miami, uh, I've experienced the changing climate firsthand, the rising water levels. Mm-hmm. When the city was built, uh, it wasn't flooding nearly as much, even though it was already developed in a highly vulnerable area, like coastal area, right. uh, where the native tribes did not live like we do with these concrete streets, right? But they actually had patterns of migration throughout the seasons where um, the water levels were accommodated and counted for. Um, and so here it just, felt immoral not to uh, look at it closer as an artist. And again, as an artist, I don't mythologize the mm-hmm. concept, of, you know, right. or even this, this, this term. I, I like uh, Alexander Rodchenko's, I think, um, view on the artist as this cultural worker. <laughs> so mm-hmm. wh- why do this if not to communicate some urgent issues in this other way? Um, mm-hmm. other than sort of written word, right, or numbers, uh, but hopefully inspire people to look into statistics and um, do their own research. Uh, but sometimes arts can reach a much wider audience than um, science. Right, right. Yeah, and I just recently spoke with another photographer, and, and she, she mentioned too that, you know, sometimes you can even um, communicate harsh issues or not ugly issues through beauty <laughs> you know it's kind of a it, it's a maybe a weird statement in a way but meaning that you know if you attract people to to some some sort some art right and then mm-hmm. and, and that there is something that c- connects with you emotionally you can actually um communicate something even though the the, the, t- the underlying topic may actually quite well be very um very harsh but you don't have to show it through through ugliness <laughs> so it's kind of an interesting you know viewpoint kind of maybe a little bit you know similar to what what you're mentioning but mm-hmm. but um yeah so so going back to the to the flood zone can you describe the project a little bit more maybe when when did you get started um what 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 are you um you know for for those of us uh, for the for the listeners in particular um you know what what is some of the top what's what's the topic what have you have you documenting uh in this work have you been yeah um i began by simply exploring the new environment um that i found myself in <laughs> when i moved i yeah. um, <laughs> didn't have any you know much preconceived ideas about the place beyond the the usual it's tropical climate i was aware uh, my whole life i wanted to live by um the water yeah <laughs> and course, this ocean was a dream i lived in landlocked moscow and then in the midwest um so when opportunity um presented itself i jumped on it um and then it comes at a cost beyond the higher taxes living <laughs> on the waterfront right <laughs> and this, the anxiety of it was 
severe. And that took a full year of adjustment because when we moved here with my small family in 2016, it was the hottest summer on record. Hmm. Um, and then the first hurricane, which was category three, um, hit that summer or fall. Um, and it's just kind of coping with it and all the preparations you have to do and accommodations and move your car and uh, have um, hurricane shutters on your windows. Hmm. Uh, not like hurricanes just began in late, in the last few years, but they have been, the consequences have been exacerbated by um, the rising um, sea levels. Hmm. So storm, storm surge is a lot more severe and streets flood more. Uh, the water stays up longer um and the severity of arguably the severity of um hurricanes um is impacted too um so dealing with all of that while being without power i think for a couple days that time um getting together with the neighbors and the whole support um that was provided you know think about community and think about who gets affected more. It's not the high rises. It's not the top floors. Right. It's the people living on the ground. People have lived here for generations. Um, and some ended up in major flood zones. Um, and then frenetically researching um, the location of our, it was an older condominium building from the fifties, uh, whether it was in the flood zone or not. And then realizing that the entire artificial Island of Miami beach is actually in the flood. <laughs> it's a red flood zone. So everything mm -hmm. is going to flood. Yep. Um, and yet not as bad as certain pockets in West Miami. So all of that came from firsthand experience and just the sheer, um, nerves of, of mm -hmm. dealing with this experience. Mm -hmm. And how, you know, it makes you really think, how can you stay here long term? Can you really buy anything? Uh, mm -hmm. Is this just completely transient? And of course, in part, the impetus to live in Miami well, for, for me was to stay on the East Coast in the United States. I'm still connected somewhat with Europe and mm -hmm. my parents that are um, left there are still in, in Russia. Oh, and um, not having to be in New York city, which just most people are priced out of that. Right. Right. Uh, especially the artists. Yeah. Um, so, and then finding out all the hidden costs and yet finding out that development is booming and we've experienced mm. it, you know, in, in essence, the project was kind of prophetic. Um, what I saw in 2016, all those billboards with printed images of sort of the future Miami, and it's mainly aimed at um, sort of this luxury sector uh, and demographic that can afford you know, buildings like in the million range, apartments. Um, so much higher price point, uh, kind of squeezing out the native population. Um, regardless of all the environmental risks and for the people who are moving in these are usually not the primary homes these are homes they can afford to lose even mm. um and all of that i kind of sensed already in 2016 and we have certainly witnessed that happening um now in the course of these five six years and post-covid um like that even and with more amplified all of these problems that were already budding 
Um, and at the same time, you know, having these very conflicted feelings because it's not a week when I don't kind of pinch myself and looking at that horizon line and the ocean um, and the tropical landscape and the beauty and uh, the kind of forces of nature and culture really clashing together here. Mm. Um, so these contrasts um it's it's a complicated story and i wanted to show the complexities so the project was not meant to be illustrative in a scientific or in kind of didactic obvious way of what climate change looks like that's why mm -hmm. it always fails under that headline but it was meant to be metaphorical and psychological portrait of a place rather than um some kind of objective view Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think it's possible, and I wouldn't be an artist if that would be the case. I would be a scientist, right, with illustrations to make right. research. Um, but the project, you know, obviously there, there was um, there was research behind it. So my locations, I had to map them out, and the books that I've read, um, and that continued pretty much throughout all of my projects. Uh, with the flood zone in particular, um, right, mapping it out. Um, I was just kind of assessing what happens after these hurricanes, what happens during king tides, um, oftentimes encountering things without much plan, just having my camera on me mm -hmm. at all times. And it took four years uh, of these almost, yeah, weekly explorations hmm. to really distill it to the selection of images that are in the book. That was published in oh, 2019. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you started in two. Oh, yeah, so you started 2016. 16. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, got it. Okay, yeah, and that was just you. You're preempting all my next questions, which is wonderful. <laughs> um, so you're. Um, so you just mentioned uh, the flood zone is available mm -hmm. as a book. Um, yeah, and and you. Th this has been published by Steidl. Um, mm -hmm. How was your experience creating the book? Obviously, you know, you, you described kind of the project, but maybe going more specifically into the book project. So at what point did you kind of know, you know, you might have enough of a body of work that, you know, that you feel comfortable with? Perhaps you have exhibited it as well. Uh, is that correct? Or... Yeah, I had a little show at an artist residency that actually enabled my um, prolonged Miami um, stay. Well, I'm not now. I'm a resident, but yep. I wasn't certain at the time. But I got into an, uh, a kind of a juried artist residency that gave me a free studio in Miami Beach for two years. Hmm. Um, and a lot of images in the book were actually taken in walking distance from that artist residency. And then, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And then I, cool. I went on several road trips and went to other States and photographed there too. Um, but working with Steidl, um, in 2017, the year after a year into my shooting, which was very speculative, but I've, I've had a sequence ideal in mind. I, I didn't, um, you know, I wanted to make a book, and I've made a book before, which was more of a catalog. Um, and prior to that, I made some some of my own self-published little things uh, that I don't really show. But then with Watson, I've, I wanted to make a book, and I was shooting with that in mind, but still keeping it very, very open. Um, mm -hmm. 
and not allowing to fall into any kind of formula. Uh, and then I got into an artist residency in Massachusetts at Mass Mocha. So I went there for a month uh, with my printer and <laughs> with my little printer, uh, tabletop, and I printed out a stack of images that I had at the time and started arranging them. Uh, and about week three, I started showing this cluster of images to a couple of people I trusted um, in photography and then pinning them up on the wall and kind of failing all the time with the sequence. Just it wasn't, it, it didn't feel right mm -hmm. to me uh, until I realized that I simply cannot detach myself from this work yet. Um, that I, I was perfectly capable of editing my students' work. But with my own, there are certain locations that I that were important for me for the project, right? But then, visually, they just weren't amounting to anything hmm. uh, of of value. So there's this formal aspect that you simply cannot um, abandon in art. And hmm. formally, they were not working out. <laughs> Conceptually, hmm. they were critical. Yeah. And then sometimes it would be vice versa. You know, it would be like a picture of a wall with some shadows on it. <laughs> it doesn't mean much, but then it adds something to the story. So there's a mystery in that. Hmm. Um, and then that's when I um, reached out to the editor, David Campany, and asked if he would look at that sequence, uh, possible sequence. And that's when um, we started collaborating kind of very cautiously. Um, I would send him images and he said, okay, look, send me more and the direction you're moving in. Um, and the 2017, I, I spent with more sort of focused shooting for the sequence. And then that kind of narrowed even further. Uh, and it was this collaborative process in 2018 late 2018 uh where i was i felt like i was done shooting for at least this iteration of of the project um and then um yeah he proposed it to steidel uh and of course i, I really wasn't expecting for steidel to agree but he did <laughs> mm -hmm. to publish that. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think I think it might have been that Edward Tinsky's book was sold out at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I referenced him in many of my talks and I finally met him as a wonderful person and artist. And I knew that in this book I could not be doing another Bertinsky. That this sort of aerial and there are a couple shots where I'm directly referencing Bertinsky. Um but I wanted to do something else. I was like insider perspective, you know, walking person. Um, so being aware, I guess, of the predecessors is important and of the influences. Mm -hmm. um, and so maybe it coincided with Ed's book selling out and then Steidel kind of agreeing mm. to this environmental project. Anyways, yeah. it's really, I think, That's great. half luck. Half, but the sequence was strong um, at that time, mm -hmm. I believed. And I still managed to add one more image before I got on the plane to go to Göttingen. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting that you mentioned the sequencing because I, I think that seems to be coming up a lot when I talk to photographers who have published books. Mm -hmm. um, it seems to be such a, a, a critical piece where sometimes we, you know, 
photographers tend to be very focused on this, you know, the, the glorious, the great shot, right? But, mm -hmm. but sometimes forget maybe that it doesn't need always the great shot to tell that story, but you know, it's more like how they tie together. <laughs> yeah. Um, is that, so in your experience, and it sounds a little bit like you were, so when you were, you were still too close to the project. And so you kind of needed that collaboration. Yeah. To, I needed to, get to separate really, myself mm -hmm. yep, yep. Mm -hmm. in the edit. And I am, I get influenced, um, very, uh, quickly. I, uh, you know how the nature of this work, it's quite solitary photography. You're kind of in your bubble yeah. uh, or in your <laughs> studio or, you know, yeah. when I walk around and photograph for the flood zone, I talk to myself. It's a, it's a disaster. Yeah. But you're, <laughs> you're just like this complete lunatic, you know, roaming yeah. around and hot and I'm talking yeah. to myself and to my camera and then I'm arguing with my camera and with the subjects, which are architecture, <laughs> you know, it's, it's mm -hmm. insanity. And then you get to the studio and you un download, I shoot a lot. So every session would be like 300 images at least. Mm. Okay. Uh, it's digital photography. So mm -hmm. um, come back and then maybe there would be like four keepers and those are, um, not in the sequence yet you know and then you have to decide what goes in the sequence and then i started showing it to a couple of people and i realized that everybody would have a different taste um and different selection and only a couple images would be universally agreed upon so and then later i just narrowed it down to um david campany's vision um because i've seen the books that he's done and he does get very involved with people's editing you know he's edited many photographers books and he has a recurrent roster of photographers whom he always mm. edits um mm. and i believe that's the, to me that's the most productive kind of collaboration um mm -hmm. when somebody really gets to know your work and your way of thinking um mm -hmm. and he is i can't say for him you probably hate it when i said if i said that uh, but i think he's biased towards observational photography mm. uh, in a good way Mm -hmm. he's uh, he favors it um mm -hmm. even though he understood the landscapes of brand project that i presented uh as a background story to my flood zone he got yeah. it right away he understood it and he kind of he got behind it too um but with observational photography i think he's he really is one of the best editors yeah. out there um did, yeah did you speaking of collaboration so you did you collaborate with graphic designers then too no and that's no? the beauty okay. of working with steidel mm. actually mm. they they had designer on staff and okay and the designer helped with the margins you know they helped make everything look quite polished but the sequence was david's and mine mm -hmm. um and so the, the object of art is the sequence of mm -hmm. those images. And when I present them in shows, some of it is retained, some of that sequence, because the project just becomes this kind of flow, mm -hmm. uh, has this kind of flow. Um, when I'm shooting, I don't think of the sequence. In fact, um, images become, I think, weaker if I had the sequence in mind. There's only one shot that I did that was the very last shot when... I realize I have zero action in any of the book. There's none, hmm. no motion happening. Mm -hmm. um, 
And then lucky enough, I had this kind of splash beach boat um, that day that I photographed. I thought, I thought, okay, that's my little Gary Winogrand action irony mm-hmm. <laughs> moment. But other than that, I don't think of the sequence when I'm shooting. That's why I need to shoot a ton. And then that's why I need an external person to then help um, sift through the my selection even because mine comes out of you know that mine comes out of hundreds and i narrow it down to singles and then that gets sent to the editor but that's still the editor i think david maybe went through still hundreds of images Hmm. and then how many ended up in the book approximately i think it's like 90 okay so there is quite quite the down selection process (laughs) It sounds like it reminds yeah. me a little bit of uh, the uh, the ah uh, oh shoot I'm just blanking on the name now the Americans um, yeah the, he I think he shot for I, I forgot how long he was on the road but for a long time mm-hmm. and 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 even for though it was film but I think it was it, it also was for sure thousands of images that then got distilled down to to just a few yeah. Um, and, and maybe thing, that's you know, common. Uh, maybe that is uh-huh. just common for many projects. Um, I think so. I, well, I think it's just different, maybe methods of working. But I, I can, I can't possibly imagine doing everything alone. Uh, uh-huh. It's just too many decisions, and you need this fresh set of eyes. And also, that's right. another, um, I think, habit, uh, almost like a way of working you develop um, in, I guess, American MFA programs. Because most of them invi- in, in, in involve critiques, and mm-hmm. you do critiques with your peers and with your professors, and so mm-hmm. um, it was quite a bit of time, sure, between m- me graduating and pursuing the flood zone project it was six years. But uh, throughout all those years, I actually taught at a college. I taught full time, um, mm-hmm. and so I was just right. so used to this collaborative way of working where you're Mm -hmm. in constant dialogue with your peers and your, you know, trusted um, advisors. Uh, Well, in my case, I was the advisor, but I couldn't imagine, you know, being on the other end of it and not getting any feedback. And so that stayed with me, you know, till now, now Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, painting actually and so i'm already <laughs> soliciting uh mildly and occasionally mm-hmm. aggressively friends look at my work and who are versed in painting yeah <laughs> yeah that's great that's great um so going back to to the publishing um and, and it relates a little bit to what we talked about already the namely the collaboration but um, you know, there's the self-publication, right? And then there is, obviously, you can go with the publisher like you did, um, where, mm-hmm. you know, obviously you have to get selected. Um, but what what are your thoughts about self-publications? I mean, is that something, you know, I, if, I mean, one, one issue is, right, potentially you don't, you may not have the collaborators unless those are trusted people and that you can engage somehow or, or you have the means to pay them. I don't know, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, in, in a typical scenario, right? It, it, the self-publication wouldn't maybe would it involve less collaboration? Would you say, or what, what are your thoughts around just self-publishing? Um, you know, whatever works 
for you, depending on your goals too. Um, mm-hmm. I needed the work to get out in the world of photography um, and to kind of carve my way in coming from uh, a track that I thought would be forever, which is academia, mm-hmm. uh, having been burned out in that and attempting to uh, pursue career in the art full time, um, not having m- much resources really financially, uh, many resources, you know, it's like I, I couldn't pay for my own book. It mm-hmm. was out of, you know, just not possible for me. So I right. couldn't right. go to a pay to play publisher. Uh, and some people are extremely successful with that and they, they find their audience uh, and they distribute those books so well, and they do some high-end, very crafted books. And I have some friends who are um, who are doing really well in that direction. Um, and they place their, you know, beautifully crafted, unique books institutionally, or they mass distribute and make profit on those self-published books. So there are all these varieties. For me, um, I wanted to get into the field as a practicing artist and not just an academic at the usual conferences so i needed it to be an actual publisher Mm -hmm. and i of course i didn't know whether any of them would agree and i got plenty of rejections prior to title so this was my long shot Mm -hmm. (laughs) this is what i thought (laughs) (laughs) it's probably not going to agree so i don't have much to lose actually a lot of the things that i've won in life you know, so to speak, quotation marks, uh, or just out of this impulse um, to try when I have mm-hmm. nothing to lose. Right. <laughs> I, thought, right. I can't mm-hmm. put any money into this. Yeah. Uh, I'm paying the editor in prints <laughs> of my artwork, yeah. which now amount to something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but before that, yeah, it's actually you know the sure. people who support your work early on are important people. You're gonna yep. you know people who bought your work for a couple hundred and then a few hundred, and now it's ten times that. That's a, that's mm-hmm. a pleasant thought for me. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, um, it, and it's a it's it's a marathon, right? It's not a sprint. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. You got to play this long term, um, long game. Yeah. Um, and that was my logic back then. Uh, I didn't have too many options and I approached several publishers um, and some would name the price and I couldn't find that kind of money. Right. <laughs> so it's like, all right, yeah. if, it, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. I have this value of work. Eventually get published. It's not like it's going to get old. You know, it's not like the issue is going to go away. <laughs> not <Yeah. laughs> probably in, not in our lifetime. Um, right. But I, I, I want to do it. Just, Mm-hmm. You know, you don't go in the arts if you um, if you just want stable, predictable right. uh, career. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like it's a given. Not the easiest to, to no, do you that. Just, you can't have it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I noticed that the flood zone and and also some of more your more recent projects uh, mm-hmm. uh, actually that Florida's both have gotten tremendous amount of press um, mm-hmm. and and um, the most recent one there's an article in the new york times just published this month which is december 2022 20, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um the the florida's another one of your photography books was listed in the top 10 best photography mm-hmm. books of 
2022 by the Smithsonian Magazine. So first of all, yeah. congratulations. Thank you <laughs> That's very a wonderful, much. wonderful uh, recognition, of course. Um, and um, leads me into, I'd lo love to talk a little bit more also about the Florida's project, if you don't mind. So if, of you, course. if you wouldn't mind telling me a little bit more about it, um, what, what motivated you? I mean, obviously, I know you live in Florida, but <laughs> still, um, yeah, if you wouldn't mind just kind of sketching that out a little bit. Yeah, um, the Florida's project, and this is where it, it kind of started from multitasking. Um, I was shooting for the flood zone, but I was noticing things that wouldn't fit into the book um, that I still wanted to talk about. Uh, Florida is, um, what used to be just very recently, um, a swing state politically. Yep. Uh, so this was this purple state, it's now red. Um, and, um, you know, the, the issues of gun control, everything is just so... Um, exaggerated here it takes on mm -hmm. oh, political um expression takes on very exaggerated forms um that you kind of can't miss even on a basic road trip <laughs> <laughs> so it would hit you in your face yeah um, and noticing all that i would photograph things um doesn't matter the focus of them just things that i that grabbed me Mm -hmm. Um, so I amassed an archive of, you know, a, a couple dozen, few dozen images. Um, and, and then I discovered when I was shooting on the West coast in Sarasota, I discovered this archive by Walker Evans. And this is a time where sure the flood zone was already wrapping up. The book was, uh, getting published. Mm. Um, but then I had this kind of, all this, like a B-roll of, the uh, flood zone project mm -hmm. um, that I loosely categorize as Florida. Um, and so then I find out that Evans put together this incredible list in the thirties on the subjects of Florida. And a lot of those of the subjects that he sought to photograph in Florida uh, everywhere, but he was in Florida when he put together the list. <laughs> so mm -hmm. then I saw the list um, and related to many of those that included things like fake culture, you know, and this is 1930s. Hmm. Um, so he really looked in the future and the images that he produced while um, on assignments here and on his own for 40 years I found really underrated and not very well publicized hmm. um, but still very interesting and telling of the culture and to me Florida represented this kind of Having lived in the Northeast and in the Midwest, Florida to me represented this kind of America as a as a whole. So it had all the key tensions and conflicts mm -hmm. and eccentricities, um, but also this like remnants of the American dream, the kind of construct of what America is. Um, so I found it fascinating for that reason. It's not like it's a love st story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, affectionate and sometimes the re repulsive <laughs> feelings. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to show the contrasts, uh, some of the sort of superficiality, um, uh, yeah, and then 
finding out about the Evans's archive from the Metropolitan Museum of Art and the Getty, uh, which are easily searchable online. Um, I started kind of putting it together uh, with my images, but it wasn't immediate. I actually hmm. also began shooting for what I thought would become uh, like a revision of a Route 1 project by Berenice Abbott. Um, when she photographed driving all the way from Maine to Key West. Okay. Uh, and I drove all the way to Charleston and began shooting there. And then COVID hit, uh, which made logistics much uh, more complicated yep. in terms yep. of location photography. Of course. So yep. I narrowed it down to just Florida and just Evans. And then since I was still talking with David Campany about the flood zone project. Um, I kind of mildly proposed, <laughs> he's a mm. Walker Evans ev uh, expert. Uh, so I kind of proposed that the Floridas could be a natural extension of that project. Mm. Um, but it, it's, there's enough there to make it a separate thing and to bring in Evans. And then that sequence took less time. Um, and I already had about 70% of it photographed. So then we added the Evans's archive and then a few of my newer shoots from the COVID summer. I think I was shooting up until uh, the end of 2021, summer 2021. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So basically, right. So, so it features the work of Walker Evans, mm -hmm. which is seems to be much less well-known right um mm -hmm. th that particular body of work uh, may be more known his new york and other other uh, yeah. photographs so upper um massachusetts perhaps but mm -hmm. um yeah and and that and it's just it's by by steidel again correct um yes amazingly yeah which is awesome <laughs> <laughs> Um, obviously, I assume a similar it was a good experience for you with regards to the whole collaboration. This one was much like. better because okay. I was a lot less terrified of okay. Shadow. <laughs> so I was yeah. less intimidated um, this time. And I went there a couple, two times. Um, and it was, of course, on a short notice. I just had to be there immediately. Um, but uh, I was on press. We did tweaks on the images. I had more time to actually edit the images mm. while I was there. And I'm very happy with color reproduction uh, in Florida's, you know, nothing is ever perfect, but it's as close as it could be, you know, mm -hmm. this size, maybe some of the Evans's images could be smaller because they were enlarged for the book to kind of make them consistent uh, with mine. But conceptually, I think it's solid and interesting and it's kind of visiting. It's kind of the, this portrait of a place throughout time. Uh, and you can play this game of guessing whose image is where. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes by right. sharpness, you can tell. Yeah. But, that right. is even, but that's not even the point. And though it's right. technical. It's just, I find the technical um, detail the most boring part of yep. any project to be honest you know right. so whatever right. i show it to a curator and like oh this is um what's the, te the technique and why is this image softer it's just i write them off as yeah. <laughs> as they should have become archivists and not curators right. 
honestly. Um, So um, I'm most interested in the the subject. And I think the images, um, both mine and Evans's show Florida from many interesting angles. None of them Mm -hmm. claim objectivity to depiction of the state, right? That's why the multiplicity is even in the title. It's Florida. It's not just mine and Evans's, but it's also, I think, multiple Floridas in the state. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very divided, but it's painted over in pink. And (laughs) yeah, yeah, I noticed that. (laughs) And we just can forget about the differences and move on. Try yeah. to make it work. Yeah. Well, I think it's a, a super cool concept of basically having a, a photographer who's no longer alive, right? Uh, and then the yeah. photographer's obviously well and alive <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and, and combine it, you know, and, and, and having that that historical perspective too. And, and, and it sounds like, right, there are some threats that, that really go through both of your bodies of work, correct? Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and I wasn't yeah. thinking too much about Evans throughout the flood zone, but even looking right. at the flood zone, there are some formal parallels just in the in, in the approach to photography. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, there's very little shadow drama. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there is uh, uh, a lot of attention paid to the vernacular, to, you know, subverting some uh, kind of, usual representations of a place and florida is loaded with those right being the kind of tropical paradise it was presented to be to the public mm-hmm. um and so playing with some stereotypes and um the toggle between black and white and color mm-hmm. uh actually throughout both projects so it began with the flood zone with just my observational photography period and then with florida's it really came full circle with uh, including evans mm-hmm. um into the project yeah yeah wonderful well we'll link to both books in the show notes of course and uh, and um i want to explore a, a third project with you um namely image city um mm-hmm. I, I love the aesthetic of those images um Thank you. I, I believe you're you're exploring consumerism as part mm-hmm. of it. Um, if, would you mind telling me um, a little more about this project as well? Yeah, so this is early stages. The book is about to come out in February, and it's published mm. by Fundacion, yeah, Fundacion Mapre and Hatia okay. Um And the, sh- the first show opens in Barcelona in February as well. Oh, wonderful. Um, yeah, and this is a project um, that... Uh, focuses on a number of things. Uh, geographically, it's 15 countries and 17 mm. cities, mm. loosely based off this list of sort of global cities um, mm-hmm. uh, that are assigned different categories uh, depending on their kind of power uh, in the world. Like London and New York are alpha plus plus cities, and then there's Paris. Yeah. Alpha plus and so on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I picked out 15 from those, and I couldn't travel to many Asian cities because there's still COVID COVID closures yeah. up until this fall. Um, so in Asia, I could only get to Japan, and that was with permission. But that was so that kind of summarizes my um, Asian portion. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's an ongoing project, just like the flood zone, and it might even come out in the, under different name eventually. Um, 
but I will be adding more cities. It focuses on um, how cities, history is going to dictate um, their current um, political leanings and choices of representation of themselves, um, sort of cultural heritage versus um, contemporary development and the often um, clashing visuals that those two create. Um, in the summer of 2021, I saw uh, this film um, by Jacques Tati, Playtime, from the 60s, mm-hmm. but it was mm-hmm. the first time I saw it on the big screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I could really identify the posters in the tourism agency uh, that was, you know, the, the, the entire film was constructed, um, the props were constructed um, in the studio. So it's this kind of constructed landscape. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and that was part of the my inspiration for the project. I wanted to see how this kind of monumental scale advertising um, homogenizes the look of, of many cities. Sometimes mm-hmm. you would see a different city reflected in the same ad um, yep. behind glass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then right. I, just, I read, who was it? Oh, Capitalist Realism. And um, another book was um, Feminist City uh, by Leslie Kern. How mm. cities are mainly built for men by men historically. And now women mm. are sort of the primary target audience for advertising. It's all very layered and as usual, it's research based. Um, mm-hmm. But yet the images are often, you know, ironic and kind of playful mm-hmm. um, in, a, in a sort of darker, again, ironic way. Um, yeah. But you see a lot of solo female figures, often people hold their phones. So it's almost mm-hmm. like the degree of separation from reality is, kind of, is mm-hmm. um, extensive. Um, mm-hmm. People pass through this urban landscape with um, incredible speed. And even some architect friends confess that they're designing architecture with ads in mind. So the facades are meant to accommodate screens and um, advertisements. Mm. So it becomes like placeholders for essentially um, propaganda. And of course, growing up in, in Russia, I, you know, I was born in the Soviet Union time. Yep. And then I witnessed the collapse um, as a child, but it was memorable. Um, mm-hmm. And then it becoming this odd hyper-capitalist um, culture and watching, of course, um, how things evolved in the United States in terms of visual representation. So New York City and both Los Angeles are included in the book. Um, none of Florida. Hmm. <laughs> so it's a radically oh, interesting. different So you don't have Miami palette. in there? No, nope, no Miami. Okay. But Miami is only not even on the list. I think it's emerging quickly. Okay. All the New Yorkers moved here. Uh, but it's a, it's a different project. And it's, it's a year and a half. I began it in Moscow when you can still travel to Moscow. That was in 2021 before the, the war. Uh, and uh, I was doing, I was in the Biennale there, uh, have not, have not been back for a long time, for years. Hmm. Um, and I noticed some shifts, um, hmm. in the, yeah, in just the city, um, yeah, visuals throughout the city. So I, hmm. I began documenting it again without thinking, uh, too deeply 
about it, but just sort of processing through my lens. Um, and then, yeah, I was there almost a month and they came up with a concept of this kind of Potemkin village, a lot of covered up buildings and what that represents. So again, most of the images are symbolic rather than literal. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how, so, so one thing I'm curious about, because you, you clearly work on long form projects, mm-hmm. right? And, um, and they, I, I'm just curious, you, you mentioned, you know, there is, well, I, I hate to say deliberation, but you know, you, you're shooting a lot, but you're also, you're thinking about it a lot. So you're mm-hmm. thinking about your projects a lot. How does it start? I'm curious about maybe the starting process of, of the project. So when you're coming up with a new, maybe concept, yeah, is that something that happens intuitively and then you kind of see you know this is maybe something i could further develop or or is there yeah and maybe is it just different for each project or yeah i'm just curious about that <laughs> yeah it's um it's a it's a cluster of things you know it's first-hand experience always like in in moscow it was just this odd feeling like the the government propaganda is back mm-hmm. uh and there are several images in that are included in the book um that are very obvious propagandistic ones um, that were just found in public display uh, that I don't recall from the time when I left, which was 2008. Mm. Um, so that was new and ominous. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, in, in New York City, uh, good luck focusing on anything in Times Square, right? Because yeah. it's just completely <laughs> it's like crazy. Yeah, exactly. You. you almost get like a seizure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then yeah. passing through most public spaces, you're surrounded by images. Um mm. oftentimes of these idealized lifestyles and people. And uh, so thinking about how images affect our memory, you know, unlike words where you can you know, this like blink um, immediate response. You, you, you can choose not to read, mm-hmm. say, beyond the headline if right. you don't want to. Right. But with images, you, if you've seen it, you've seen it. That's it. Yep. <laughs> it's immediate take <laughs> Hard <in>. to do. <laughs> exactly. And then yeah. it it's already embedded into your memory, whether you want it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you might think that it hasn't been embedded into your memory, but it's there. Um, mm-hmm. And then it results in the choices you make, say, for like your immediate surroundings, right? Like from the furniture you choose to buy, to like disposable mm-hmm. kind of brands of clothing and fast fashion. And, um, you know, whatever. I remember when I just moved to Miami, even though it's not one of the cities, whenever I would tag my images. Uh, when I geotag my images mm-hmm. as Miami, I would constantly get those target ads for enhancements, like physical body mm. enhancements, mm. Um, because it's like a prevalent Weird. thing, you know. So yeah. a lot of them are gendered, and mm-hmm. as as a as a woman, um, if you just pause for a minute and start analyzing, it's like how it affects your body image. And your values, right, and aspirations in life, um, if without you even knowing, just because simply those images already are in your memory. 
mm-hmm. without your consent almost you know right. yeah <laughs> right right yeah exactly like and in the city fabric you know you can't tune out of them either mm-hmm. choose not to use your smartphone or watch tv with the ads right or any other uh, image intake but in the city you have to go through it right so mm-hmm. you end up yeah. <laughs> absorbing them like a sponge um so it's this kind of like orwellian um maybe dark outlook uh, on some of them uh yeah i was then, just gonna say did you yeah. say aurelian i was just gonna say 1984 and you yeah, said aurelian yeah yeah, yeah. so it was exactly thinking the same thing because it, it's like that yeah that speaking of prophetic right <laughs> And of course, um, you know, in my case, yeah. growing up where I did, I watched one propaganda get replaced by the other, this by capitalist the other. propaganda. <laughs> yes. And then yeah. mm-hmm. literally two years ago, by this whole new propaganda, which I really was not expecting in my lifetime, this whole you know, fascist mm-hmm. state, uh, yeah. which is horrifying. But it was, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, I, I can't believe I honestly, I left the country, uh, what's the word, unscathed, right? I mm-hmm. was able to actually leave. Um, but it was summer 20, you know, but then there's like weird World War II propaganda everywhere and all the mm. soldiers. I do not remember it being like that when we still mm. had this illusion of democracy in 2008. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah, going, oh, sorry. So going back, uh, to, to the project. So when you, um, so when you conceive of them, um, just m- maybe more generally speaking, um, mm-hmm. is, is there, is there a certain point where you kind of, you know, where you kind of know, I think that's going to be my next, you know, I'm, I think there is something to it or is there, you know, what is that? I'm, I'm mm-hmm. tr- trying to drill down a little bit on that oh, yeah. a little bit more with you just to see, you know, because I find it, it's so cool that you're working on these long form projects, which I, I think is very inspirational. Um, and then clearly you have a, you know, you think about it, you have a theme to yeah. it, do you have a topic that you're really exploring artistically? Um, yeah, just just kind of going back to that to that question of yeah, what how that starts maybe and, and at what point do you kinda mm-hmm. formalize it? <laughs> um, um yeah, I'm gonna say, I'm a keen observer. It's a tough question, of, maybe. <laughs> no, I but, can answer that. You know, I'm a keen observer of places. Um, so I okay. think if I were to really narrow it down, that's been one thread. Um, that's been with me my entire life. It's oh, it's all about place and landscape. Yeah. Um, as a sort of spiritual experience, maybe, and how places affect um, us, um, and how we manifest, you know, ourselves, the, mm-hmm. like, you know, society, cultures through places. Um, to me, architecture is as telling as you know human appearance, um, portraiture. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a lot more long term, so you can show um, a history of a certain, you know, society um, through architecture, I believe, um, mm-hmm. and through images of places. And then, um, because it's it's not again, it's not narrowed um, to photography only, right? Um, but I, I do believe that photography has to reflect its time, uh, and uh, I think it's, it's best suited for that out of mm-hmm. all possible mediums, right? In visual art, um, so documenting um, places 
in their time. Um, it's the it's the one unifying thread. Mm-hmm. Other than that, uh, because I'm so collaborative, you know, with the Florida's project and the Image Cities, I got the grant with a proposal. I went to I was in Moscow, and then I got curious with what those images signified, and then I wanted to explore other cities. So I got the grant, and then went to shoot them. Um, and when I was there, and then I discovered new things, mm-hmm. <laughs> added mm-hmm. some more books to my pile of um, research. Yeah. Um, and those inspired me to further things or so a movie. And then <clears throat> there are a couple of projects and I, I like to work um, on things simultaneously. I get bored with mm. just one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to obviously continue with the image cities wherever uh, I could possibly go next. And there's still so many that are unexplored and spend more time. Um, and then I want kind of like an offset to flood zone project, mm-hmm. um, like a, a counterpoint and actually focus on some um, green initiatives and sustainable living mm. and the types of development that are actually uh, either adaptable or at least considerate of the, um, the changing climate. So uh, I guess something more motivating Mm -hmm. (laughs) that needs Mm -hmm. um, the visual support. Um, Yeah. Would be the extension of, um, well, I guess that the other counterpoint to the flood zone. And then there's also the fire zone, uh, which is on the West coast, which already began. And so that's also funding contingent, um, actually applying for things, for grants to fund, um, location of photography in some of those areas uh, on the West coast. Um, yeah. So there are uh, several things in the pipeline. Yeah. <laughs> several <laughs> things coming, coming up. That's mm-hmm. that. Yeah. That, that, that's great to hear. Um, and, and so I was gonna, so, so yeah, that was actually my specific question that, you know, so certain mm-hmm. projects that are not listed on your website. So you just mentioned, I think the fire zone is not, so that will be one that you, you're thinking mm-hmm. about but it's not as you said that it might be funding dependent correct yeah yeah because yeah. you know i have a three-page proposal for it with okay. a map of locations and the images that are supplemental that i already i already began shooting there in 2019 mm. okay. um and so you know i have a, a dozen of images but uh yes so whenever i get the funding for that whenever yep. i get the funding for the utopias project that i'm trying to do the counterpoint to the flood zone uh and then there's also my collages and paintings that are wet. Yeah. They're called wetlands, but um, they're kind of part of Florida's because they are focused on Florida. Um, so I'm also making paintings right now. I'm in that stage. Um, yeah. which I'm very yeah. excited. It's very challenging. It's a very different kind of yeah. thinking. Um, but the two practices, they kind of feed off each other, painting and photography and collage. I guess yeah. it's the in between those because I yeah. use multimedia for, for my collage. So that's a yeah, it's a studio approach again. Right, right. Wonderful. Well, good. Well, um, I before we wrap up, uh, just want to ask you hopefully a really simple question, namely, where can people best find you online? <laughs> oh, I'm on social media. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm on Instagram. 
Okay. Probably most often. Mm-hmm. Instagram and then your your website, right? In my we'll website, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I have okay. my email we'll... listed in the website. Yep, cool. So we'll link to that and as I mentioned Great. to the to the books as well. Um thank you. Are they available through your website or do we have to link them? Um, we'll we'll they, figure that out. Yeah, they're available in shops and on Steidel's website. Okay. They're available online. Yeah, I don't sell okay. them on my website. <laughs> yep, we'll link to them. And um, yeah, wonderful. Well, Anna, thanks so much for speaking with me today. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. All right, this wraps up my episode with Anna Samalova. I hope you enjoyed it. We will link to her website, to the books we mentioned, as well as her Instagram in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening and talk to you next time.